All right, it's morning huddle time. Good morning. You, I'm not saying it works. I wish you Godspeed. I, I, Godspeed with all of that. I think that's really, really nice. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure what kind of success you're going to have with that today because the world, my friend, has changed. Right. Latin American construction workers, they have different needs. They have completely different These needs. These awards have a huge... Um, like criteria that you have to fill out and they usually have a community service or community relations portion of, uh, you know the most productive uh, with a high performance value um, and you know sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night yeah. funny isn't uh, yeah I, not not for me not for uh, me at 11 o'clock i am guaranteed to be snoring so so um... <laughs> It's morning huddle time, and we're having technical difficulties. We're live. Uh, Good morning. <laughs> um, it's a part of uh, the live experience. Embrace it. Own it. I apologize to uh, our audience for anything that is annoying or glitchy, but uh, I'm on location today uh, with a client and uh, operating in their conference room on, on a guest net network that I hope is going to hold up. George, you're on location, too. I am. Good morning. I'm in uh, lovely Urbana, Virginia, uh, at the Chesapeake Inn in their little conference room. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to share with the crew why the heck I'm in Ur Urbana, Virginia today. It's not gonna, It's not for the Oyster Fest. I'm going to be in Urbana, Virginia for the Oyster Festival. Uh, no, that's not me. This fall. Yeah, no, that's not why you're there. You have no. different reasons. Stacy, how are you? It's been so long. I know. Well, I told you I'm going to London and I'm really stressed out about the trip. Um, my brother just landed last night. We're, we're going for my other brother's wedding. So the scary part is the way home, the funeral takes place. So I have to head back into London when the funeral takes place. So I'm like, am I going to make it back home? Am I not? I don't know. We'll see. You're going to have... A lot of excitement. I can oh, only yes. ensure. Lots of stories, I'm sure. Totally. Well, uh, <laughs> we're we're all. Does that mean that you won't be on next week, Stacy? Am I going to? I will not. I have a sub, Seth Farger from Construction Video Pros. I think I'll be on the plane. So if um, I have we'll, internet, we'll I'll check in. <laughs> right. If hey, if you're not on the plane, you can always just join the show. Yeah. <laughs> in the airport so yeah exactly yeah live from heathrow well good deal so um so let's jump into it today we've got uh george nash and, and george is um i mean if, if you're involved in the construction industry in dc maryland or virginia chances are pretty good that you've had some exposure to george over the years uh yeah. if you've been involved in abc on a national level chances are that you've been exposed to george over the years George is a leader in the industry, a good personal friend of many, including uh, the two of us. Um, and uh, we're, we're having George on today to talk about something that, you know, uh, at, the, at the morning huddle, we're always talking about driving positive change in the building industry. And there are very few sources of negativity that are so intense as uh, crappy procurement norms. So we're going to talk about uh, alternative procurement and ways to drive positive change through alternative procurement and hear George's personal experience and stories uh, as it relates to that. So uh, with, with that as sort of the intro, George, I, I think the first question that I have is when it comes to alternative procurement, 
the alternative to what? What what is the what is the the tr- traditional or typical procurement look like? So so Jack, for for so long in our industry, uh, the typical uh, procurement on the public side and private side, mainly the public sector, was contractors submitted a bid. Uh, they were opened by the owner, read out loud, and the low bid won the job. Yay. Um, uh, as some of us might say, that's driving the price to the bottom. And, uh, and, and many private developers over the years ha- have gone to different models negotiating privately, uh, doing open book GMPs. And that's been in the marketplace for quite a while. Some developers do that uh, one-on-one with a single contractor. Some developers uh, will, will do it with multiple GCs through that pre-construction process, bid the job to a select list, and then negotiate with their with their with their uh, low bidder. It's really been um, I, I'm not sure what the the time frame has has been, um, uh, but you know maybe the last 10, 15 years where we've seen the public sector start to shift away from their uh, rock bottom design bid build process and go to these alternative procurements. And, and that could be design bid, uh, design build, that could be CM at risk, that could be CM agency. Uh, there are a lot of, there are, are different models that different government entities use throughout. And, and Virginia uh, created a law, um, I, I should know this, but it's probably been on the books for 20 years, 15, 20 years that allows on the on the public sector to go to these alternative procurements, and and Chad froze up on us, Stacy. Oh, did he? Did he? <laughs> and he looks he looks so good. So so uh, there he is. He's back there he is. A, a bit. And, I'm like watching it happen. <laughs> and, it's and the most reason, painful experience when you're freezing and you can see it. You're like, hey, I'm glad it's you, not me for once. Um, and the reason I'm so excited about today. Right. Why I'm in Urbana, Virginia, is that right across the river in the lower northern neck, our branch builds team has a three-day kickoff with the uh, with our design team, with an owner and their stakeholders for three days to start the process on a design build uh, project. And, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but to me, there's nothing more exciting in the very beginning, this before a drawing has been made, to sit down with the owner and their stakeholders and find out what's their schedule. What's their budget? What are their needs? And and really, you start with what are their needs, and you work to their budget and their schedule. So, um, really, really interesting uh, that we're talking about alternative procurement, and I'm going across the river here shortly to to kick off for three days. So, so you've given some great examples of what alternative procurement looks like. Um, what, share some examples of the good, bad, and the ugly of your personal experience. Uh, in in alternative procurement, so I, I've had a a, uh, a project that had almost all of it, right at the very beginning uh, of the kickoff. Similar to what I'm going to today, the director for the uh, for the owner sat us all down and um, told us if we hadn't if we had not read Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust, we should, because this relationship's all about trust. Um, we all have to be on the same page. We all have to be devoted to the end goal. We all have to figure out problems. Uh, together as a team, um, A&E had a contract with the owner. It was a same at risk project. We had a, a, a contract with, with, with the owner and the owner had a, a fairly sizable team in, involved as well. And um, it was the, the first couple months. It was, it was incredible. 
It was a, a team bought in. We were solving problems left and right. We started every meeting with what's our goals, the budget, the number of students, and the schedule, right? These were all fixed. We reminded ourselves that was our, that was our goal. That was our big target. And um, I don't know, about five months into that process, the director who had us all read Speed of Trust wasn't at a meeting and a problem came up and it was a pretty big problem. Um, and the, the owner's team and the A&E looked at Branch and said, how are you going to fix this? I'm like, well, that's not a really good team building exercise. And um, it was very, um, it was an uncomfortable moment for us. We got to the meeting. The next day, the director told, called me. I was on the road and uh, he said, George, I understand you guys had a, uh, uh, a not so good meeting yesterday. And I said, I said, yeah, we did. And, and frankly, I'm really disappointed in the team. And he said, before you say anything else, he goes, so am I. He goes, don't worry, we're going to regroup. We're going to get through this issue as a team, like we said we're going to. So we had a, right, we had the really good, it got bad and ugly, and then it got really good again. So, and, and yes, we did. Um, and, and we did get through the issue. And, and to me, that's really what uh, this alternative procurement process allows you to do. It requires, and I think what I pull away from that story so much is that it requires project leadership. It requires it requires project leadership on the owner side, uh, probably so importantly. So so talk about talk about for me what does an owner have to want and have to value in order to not do things in some version of the old fashioned way? Yeah, I think I'll speak specifically to the the DC Maryland Virginia market. We've got some public sector customers who have more staff more expertise than many of the general contractors that bid their work. <laughs> so they don't need our expertise. If you start to go out in some of the, uh, the, the, more, urban, uh, the more urban areas, the, 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 the counties and the programs are smaller. And when they have a project, they don't have all this expertise on their team. Right. They really need a, a contractor and their trade partners to come in in the very beginning when with the A&E, um, again, it could be CM at risk, it, it could be design build, um, the different models uh, could apply, but what they really need is a true partner and to get them through from the, to help them to track their soft costs, right? Because they, again, they do a project every five years. They don't know. Um, and I think what's encouraging, uh, uh, Chad, is that we have seen some of our larger public sector clients in this region start to go to alternative procurement. And, um, and, and, and I, I don't think there's any, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there's no surprise that is coming in the middle of coming out of a pandemic, where are the workers coming from? And I can't get steel joist regenerators for 12 months. Yeah, there, there's I, a, there are, yeah. I'm, I'm on the of events right now that owners, I think, are realizing that they need to lean on yep. their, their partners yep. uh, more so than ever before. And uh, and I'm hearing what you're saying is that if you're an owner and you think you've got it all buttoned up, like you can handle the whole thing, you just really need uh, somebody to build the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe your your tendency, and, and it may be correct, is to say, 
you know, we'll bid it, we'll scope it, we're going to figure it, right? We're just going to figure out who the, uh, you know, most qualified low bid is because we as owners are uh, capable ourselves of qualifying that. But I I would argue um, that owners who are creating, that the majority of open book GMP negotiated jobs, okay, that are happening between owners and general contractors, uh, that that is a version of alternative uh, alternative procurement. But but then the bidding exercise that the general contractor is often then forced to do with the subcontracting community, that's pretty traditional. You know, at that point, it's it's sort of you know low bid. Uh, you know, at that point, how do you how do you square this if you're a if you're a I know your experiences as a general contractor, George, right? But but you know, as a for the subcontracting community that's operating in this open book GMP environment, which I think is 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 extremely common in yeah. the commercial sector. Um, how, what, what would you say to a, to a subcontractor that's saying, sure feels like old fashioned, you know, procurement to me, it's just low bid. I mean, what's the difference for me? So I think there's a couple of different approaches. Um, some projects need and allow for a design assist. Um, we'll just talk about the major trades of mechanical and, um, electrical plumbing for right now. Um, and maybe site work, right, um, that allow for the contractor to interview, just like the process we went through. Interview, bring uh, certain uh, qualified partners to the table. Um, they, they tell what their general conditions and what their margin is going to be, and they commit to an open book, and they work with the design team to keep the job uh, on schedule and under budget. Um, that is one method. I, I would say most alternative procurements, uh, Chad, we, we have to commit as a as a construction manager that we're bringing the best of the best. So our list of um, electrical firms is not 10 long. It's probably three long. And if it's a job that I know about, I can guarantee you that for six months prior, if not longer, as long as I have, I'm chatting with those folks to let them know that, you know, we, we, we've got a project coming up. It's not going to be out in the street. Um, sometimes there's budgeting, sometimes there isn't. And um, I, I really think that that is the difference because at the end of it, at the end of the uh, quote bidding process, so first off, we develop a scope of work and a schedule, site logistics, they have all that information that you don't have on a lump sum low bid job. And they're allowed to, they bid it. There may be some alternates in value engineering. They come in for an interview. So, you know, we're, we're, we're making sure that the, the scope is correct, the schedule is right, their safety is correct, their quality is correct, and we're teeing all that up to ensure that we have. So that in, that op, in that model, the trade partners have the opportunity to, um, to, to win a project when you're not necessarily sometimes a little bit. Right. And what, what I think I'm hearing you say is, uh, it, you know, that, uh, yes, it's still competitive. Yes, price is still a factor, but you're you're being interviewed. For, first off, your your general contractor is bringing in a select group, so yep. so you you can rest assured that you're going to be up against light competition. And then second off, it, you know w- once that has occurred, there's going to be more consideration than just your price as a part of the evaluative process. To me, I'll just say what I what I always tell uh, you know my subcontractor clients is. It all goes down to the general contractor's ability to sell value to their owner, uh, you know, so that they have the credibility to sit across from their owner and say, 
these are the right teams. This is the right right. This is the right people in each trade. I know that this one's four percent more. This one's two percent more, right? But they work better together. They've got a proven track record, and they know this job inside now. We're going to deliver. If and and if you as a general contractor aren't you know aren't there with your owner, <laughs> right? You're, right. You're, you might not be able to get there for your subcontracting community. Yep, agree. Um, all right, so. You know, one of the other things uh, that I, I guess just in general, I think it seems pretty obvious that, you know, you feel like more scenarios than not, it makes sense to do something other than low bid. I think by and large, the industry is is uh, philosophically aligned with that. What keeps the industry from taking the next step and not just being like bought in conceptually to the idea that, right, low bid, low bid is probably not the best idea, right? What, but what keeps them from actually taking the leap and, and doing it differently? Um, unfortunately, the words, that's the way we've always done it. Um, and, and I think um, that's one problem. That's a paradigm that has to be broken. Um, some some uh, public sectors don't have the ability to go to an alternative procurement. Um, so that's, you know, there's a, a legal or law uh, aspect to that. Um, and, and, and again, going to the, uh, the, the, the model of the, the end users who have six project managers on their staff who have scheduled and phased and done everything that's needed to, that we would do as an ad, added value, um, that they, they, they just can't break away from. We've done all the work. We've teed this job up. We've coordinated the drawings. We've caught all the problems, um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and we're going to put it out to bid. And that's their, you know, on the public sector. Um, I, I think on the private sector, um, especially in today's environment, um, you know, you go back to the trade partners. It, t today's environment, there's so much risk out there with availability manpower and availability of materials and price escalation that we're all dealing with, um, th that, that uh, to me, if you're, if you're trying to get through this period, focusing on alternative procurement, whether you're a CM or a trade partner, um, is, is th there's enough out there to do that. It's just a matter of um, can you, can you make, make the most out of those opportunities? So, you know, uh, the jurisdiction, I want to focus on the jurisdictional piece of this for a second. So jurisdictional yeah. laws may prevent it. Is anybody fighting to change those laws? And, and, and you know, uh, any, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm literally not sure of how yeah. that works. How, no. how have jurisdictions made the changes in the past? And, and you know, what can we be so, doing on that? At Virginia, right, they, they have, they, they pass a law that covers the entire state and then each county has to adopt their own guidelines. Um, we know in Maryland um, that uh, that they that they that there are certain counties that do different types of alternative procurement. Um, there are certain ones that don't, and it's and it's a matter of uh, has that county gone in? I don't think anyone's fighting it. I don't think there's a. It's just a matter of it, you know has someone had the wherewithal to go in and work with the county procurement office and get those and get that law on the books or get that regulation on the books, so to speak. Yeah, I think I, my, I think the, the, the only 
fight that I'm aware of is a fight of sort of educating people and, and, you know, kind of the good work that people at, at the design build association are involved in, right. You know, that, that type of stuff, the, you know, uh, lean construction yeah. Institute, the, you know, all these people are trying to kind of put out content that, that, that sways people, but no, nobody's lobbying. Right? There's nobody yeah. fighting. No, uh, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And we, and, um, and again, we've seen that in our, in our region, pop up in different in different forms and at the end of the day why these the the, the the particularly on the on the private sector the developers that have that kind of firepower that kind of staff why aren't they just gc in their own work what do you see in there what's your what's your feed you know what's your feel there because they're not stupid <laughs> <laughs> i had to put that one on a theme. i'm sorry i mean you know taking the joke out of it why wouldn't they <laughs> Um, why did I just call all contractors stupid? Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's, it's, self-inflicted wound. Uh, so, so first off, there a lot of time their 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 finance their financing model don't doesn't allow that. There are a couple of developers in our market right, that build for their own account. Sure, um, I, I I think that um, uh, you know, there there are some larger developers, and we'll talk about high-rise multifamily, right? Um, that that will, um, in, in our DC metro area, uh, their model is to have two or three general contractors provide pre-construction or free construction um, during a period of time. And then they bid the job, um, the, all, the two or three. And on one side of the argument, you could say, well, why, why do that? Well, the, C, the construction manager at GC said, well, you know what? I've worked on this client for 20 years. And this is their model, and we're okay with it because we get every two, every every four or fifth job, whatever it is, our team gets, and we and we, we're invested in that, and we're okay with that. Um, and and it is all I can say is that that model works for those contractors and that developer. Um, when you have a developer who doesn't have that firepower, who may be doing a job every three or four years, they're the ones who want a true partner from the very beginning. And we have a couple of those. And I have to tell you, they're awesome to work with they, because they, 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 they share exactly what their pro forma is in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what you described with the, you know, three GCs that provide comprehensive econ services and, and the pile of subcontractors that assist in, in all that endeavor, they kind of know what they're, they kind of know what they're all getting into but, yes. but, you know, when you and I talked about uh, this, you know, in the past, when we've had conversations about this in the past, um, one of the things that I really loved is that you said, yes, but it works, but you don't get the kind of relationship. You just can't get the authenticity and the intimacy that you really would get if you weren't competing. Because in that environment, you and I, we all know that subcontractors are holding back. Right there. I mean, the incentive is to not tell you what the problem with the plans is. Yeah, we're, not, we're not giving up our entire goods. Totally. Right? We're waiting till, till the owner says, oh, it's going to be your job. And oh, by the way, did you consider this and this and this as potential cost savings? Because why? I would argue there's a lack of trust in that, in that model that, that you, that you, you, it's not that you don't trust and don't like the client. You do because you've done you've done lots of work. Sure. 
and mm -hmm. and and you know that they're awarding you the project yes because you're low but because you performed for them right your team is being selected again i get it but when we talk about meeting in the very beginning when they just have a we want to build x amount of apartments on this property in washington and i have no drawings and you sit down with a true partner and say hey well, let's talk about budget schedule um design team yep all that together um I, again it's a different it's a different um i, I love the word um relationship and intimacy that the team has bought in from the very beginning yeah again it, some developers do that you you have to have the earlier that you award somebody the project the earlier that you tell somebody you're in you don't have to worry about not winning the work or your your efforts being not rewarded, right? You're in. The earlier you do that, the more possibility you unlock in terms of partnership and and right, you know, collaboration. However, there's a leap of trust that really has to occur where an owner believes that that's what they're going to get in return. Yep. Right? Yep. And um uh, and so if there's a message that you would have for owners in, you know, just a, a bite-sized nugget here, it, uh, what, what, what could they do to bridge the trust gap? <sighs> so I, I, I'll talk to the, to the owners who, who develop a job every three or five years. Um, it's, and, and it really, this applies to the owners and the contractors, right? Um, don't have your first conversation when you know about a project. Go out and meet a, a, a project manager and superintendent uh, for a firm that you think you might want to work with that you heard good things about on another project two years before your job hits the street. And the same thing with a contractor. Go develop that relationship. Invite the developer to that job um, and, and develop, that you know, develop that relationship early, right? That's, that, that kind of stuff is BD 101. But a lot of times we get so busy that we forget that if we tr if we want a true relationship, right? Um, before I said, before I asked my dear wife uh, if she, we, right? We 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 got to know each other. I still don't know why. Yes, she's still kicking herself after. The but it's. It's a it's the same model. We know each other. Um, we have to understand what this to have. From a kind perspective, we need to understand what the developer is all about. Yeah. Okay. I think we're glitching up a little bit. Um, yeah, I know. I think moving. You're yeah. good. You're good, Stacy. I, I think it's time for audience questions. Anyway, go for it. All what right. Got? Cool. So I have a few. I, I don't, and I apologize if you already answered this one, so just let me know. Um, like Casey has two questions. It might be addressed later, but how is the change order processing um, improved in the method? Oh, um, so on the public sector side, and, and I think that the private sector applies this too on a couple of our projects, right? We create a contingency up front. Um, it's de defined what that contingency is used for. Um, if, if there is a, uh, a hole in the scope that somehow we missed with the trade partner, um, 
that's a you know that's coming out of the uh, uh, contingency. Um, if the if the A and E um, if the A and E had a couple of doors that were supposed to be right-handed swing, but the design is left-handed swing, and we caught, we didn't catch it early enough, uh, that those kind of items are funded out of a, a, a contingency. Uh, uh, usually, there are not um, scope ads by an owner. I say usually because. I said in the very beginning, you define the scope, the budget, and the schedule. And they and and once you move forward with that final GMP, um, you know you know what you're delivering. Um, once in a while, uh, an issue will come up, but again, it's all open book, and you've developed a level of, of trust with that client, and um, they they have some funds set aside to, to to adjust that if they want to add something. Usually, they don't. Okay, great. His second question was. Are the finishing contractors involved in this process like the major subs are, or are they left out as is the normal case? Um, I would say in a uh, in this type of environment, we are getting, um, A, we're getting budget pricing early, and B, we're notifying our trade partners early that the project's coming up. And why? I just mentioned it multiple times. Manpower, materials. The last thing we eat, it, it doesn't matter if it's flooring, tile, painting, wall covering, drywall, ceilings. The last thing we want, we want is to tell an owner that, you know what, we forgot to talk to the flooring guy. And um, sorry, your job's going to get three months late because the carpet's not available. Uh, right? That's not doing our job. So, uh, yeah, and these alternative procurements, uh, all, all the, I would consider the, the finished trades are part of that major package. Uh, are they even involved in the design assist conversations? Um, I mean, I, I guess in, insofar as insofar as they're informing on materials availability and saying, you know, look, you, you might want to consider something else. Yeah, typically not. Sometimes, um, if an owner is trying to decide on a different, a certain type of floor finish, we might take them to another project. You know, whether they're trying to decide between terrazzo and polished concrete. Or, or different types of flooring. Um, we'll take them to a, a project and of course we're doing that, um, finding out who that trade partner did that work and usually that trade partner is part of that so they can answer any questions. Um, that that's that to me is the the best path to get them involved if, if one's needed. Okay. Awesome. Uh, have you seen technology play a role in changing procurement? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I think some of the methods, right? Uh, the lean, we talked about earlier, a branch, we call it team center planning. Um, it's not really a technology, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a method of scheduling and partnering um, uh, that, that, that we, we, we imply on all of our projects, whether they're alternative procurement or design bit built. Um, I, I, I would say the, the, uh, the modeling, uh, the BIM modeling has certainly helped Right. If we can get a model from, uh, or when we get a model from the, we we actually will put that model. We'll, we'll develop our initial budget off the model, uh, so you can have a meeting, and um, let's say the owner says, you know, I really don't want tile on all my bathroom walls. Can you change that to paint? And the the estimator, precon manager can go right into the model, change that. And the owner can see it live when that impacts mm -hmm. our market. So some of the, so that's the, the technology has really helped us, um, not on the procurement side, but in the delivery side. 
Okay. Well, that's awesome. all we have for questions, except for Mark wants to know when you're going fishing next. <laughs> Mark really wants to. Um, let's see. When am I going fishing next? Uh, I think October. I, okay. I have, uh, he wants an I invite, have, I think. <laughs> Mark's not coming. He's never invited. Um, <laughs> bad luck. <laughs> no, he's a bad, bad guy. Really. Oh, bad guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Love you, <laughs> All right, guys, uh, uh, George, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think, you know, br bringing uh, the topic to a public square and discussing it regularly, uh, helping to influence maybe people to take a shot and to get more involved in changing the old ways, uh, you know, of doing things. Um, and buying into the idea that, you know, if you're really looking for a partner, the way you're doing it isn't the way to do it. Yeah. Right? So um, that's, that's a fantastic message. And, and we really appreciate you joining us today. Any, any parting words? I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of your uh, morning huddle today and kick off what season three. Season uh, three. This has been yeah. uh, uh, awesome. And um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm on different social media platforms and, uh, you can connect with me via our, our Branch Build website if anyone has any other additional questions. Or if you're a trade partner out there who wants to get connected with our team, please reach out to me. So thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, George. George. We See you really soon. See ya. All right, Stacy. Let's, let's do a little wrap-up here. Uh, first things first, new feature uh, to our weekly show. Uh, yeah. The... Uh, we're calling it the Steel Toe Marketing Tip of the Week as Stacy's business is uh, Steel Toe Communications. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stacy, what, what's the if one, one you know, uh, simple thought that we can carry forward this week from a marketing standpoint? So I think when you guys are doing video, just to make sure that you understand most people, about 85% of people watch video without sound. So make sure to use captions. And the easiest way to do that is to visit revrev.com and you can plug in your video and upload it within 24 hours or less. They'll shoot out the captions for you. So you don't have to sit there and listen to your video and retype the captions out. So that's just... A little tip. Stacy, help us figure out captions for this show. Oh, I totally can. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we, we will be back uh, with you every week for uh, the next 11 weeks uh, as we run season three of the morning huddle. Uh, next week, we are going to be having uh, Ronnie Bruyard and Taylor Langley, which uh, is a tandem, uh, a force of marketing and business development that work at uh, Chesapeake Contracting Group to mm -hmm. talk to them about how they've differentiated marketing and business development in their organization. And as a general contractor, uh, how they have approached the strategy uh, together and been such effective team, which I think they, they really have been. So we look forward to that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and as always, make sure that you are liking and subscribing. Uh, we now have a, uh, a LinkedIn page for mm -hmm. the morning huddle. So make sure that you like the or follow, that is, our, our uh, uh, huddle page. And uh, uh, we have a YouTube channel. Make sure that you're subscribed to that. We know uh, a lot of people are switching over to watching YouTube live. And, uh, and as always, uh, this is available on 
Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts, uh, as well as other recorded formats in video form. So if you missed it or you just caught the tail end, uh, you can always go back. Thanks so much, everybody. Stay Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. See ya.